0: Welcome to This Week in California Education, produced by EdSource Radio. I'm Lewis Friedberg, Executive Director of EdSource. And I'm John Fensterwald, Editor-at-Large at at EdSource. The state's Smarter Balanced test scores finally came out this week after several weeks of delay. Those are the tests aligned with the Common Core in math and English language arts or reading. And uh, the results showed that this year's scores were essentially flat, at least in terms of the statewide averages. State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Tom Torlakson, characterized that as maintaining progress. I think there was some relief in many circles that at least they didn't decline, but also obviously disappointment that they didn't show an increase. Last year, they did increase uh, between the first year and the second year. I spoke with Glenn Price, Chief
1: Deputy State Superintendent of Public Instruction by phone, and he expressed concern over the flat test scores, but he also said there were some other good signals to pay attention to.
2: First of all, I think you know, we've made a commitment as a state to really be looking at multiple measures of success. So when we look at things like the Research Triangle International Report that, that you guys covered, which shows our overall college eligibility rates really increasing dramatically, our graduation rates going up, our rates of success on AP exams going up. These are all areas that, that give us some confidence that things are moving in the right track. And then as far as the smarter balance results, we see a number of districts that have actually done quite well. Like for example, um, Galt Union, uh, Whittier City. So I think it's incumbent upon us now in the state to take a look at what, what are these districts doing well that we can uh, replicate or, or in some ways advise uh, other districts to do in their areas.
1: One of the problems with flat test scores is that there has been little or no progress in closing the huge achievement gaps, particularly with uh, regard to African American and Latino students who are lagging behind. So I ask, Glenn, what is the state doing to address this critical issue?
2: No doubt that it still points to California needing to redouble its efforts and California has initiated what is kind of a well-kept secret in terms of the local control funding formula really being the nation's largest equity plan or play really undertaken in the history of our nation to date when fully funded, and we're getting close to that. We'll have about $10.1 billion in the state in supplemental and concentration grants to be invested in supporting low-income students, English learners, and foster youth, students who typically find themselves on the wrong side of the achievement gap.
1: So that was the official word from Sacramento and the State Department
0: of Education. And now we're going to turn to John Affelt, a managing attorney at Public Advocates in San Francisco. John and Public Advocates have been integrally involved in the new accountability system and pushing the state board in a number of areas. So John, the third round of Smarter Balanced test scores came out this week. What was your reaction to those test scores? Well, disappointment that we didn't make more progress. At least last year, we we
3: moved up a bit, but not surprised, really. Why not not surprised? Well, we were among the poorest performing states in the country before the local control funding formula was adopted, not just for our students of color and English learners. uh, And we're still among the poorest performing states in the country with some of the largest achievement gaps and what would we expect when we are bumping along in the bottom 10 in per pupil spending and trying to teach with the fewest uh, proportion of adults to kids in the in the nation until we start adequately investing in our public school system you know i don't think we're going to see radical changes and improvement but what we're trying to do with LCFF it seems to me is create the architecture for how the funding system and the
0: accountability system should work once we get
3: to an adequate level of investment.
0: But do you think California is on the right track? Because I think some people might say, well, third year test scores didn't go up again. I think there's some feeling that just like the sun rises every day, the test scores are supposed to go up every year. And that some people will be tempted to say, we got to shift gears, these reforms aren't working.
3: Well, it's it's entirely too early to start changing in the middle of the stream here. We haven't fully implemented the new reform system. We've just put out the new dashboard within the last year.
0: That's the color-coded system where it shows how schools and districts are doing on a number of different variables.
3: Right. We're just starting to see a reflection of a multiple measures accountability system, but we haven't done anything about it and we haven't built the support and assistance system that's going to supposedly correct and intervene where schools are falling short.
1: So, John, this will be the first year under the new accountability system in which the lowest performing districts would be identified under the dashboard. And are you confident that there's a strategy in place to actually bring help to these districts and that it would make a difference?
3: I'm not confident yet because the the strategy hasn't been articulated. And I'm hopeful that we'll get to a solid strategy,
1: but I'm, I'm also nervous at the same time about that. So much of it is based on, I believe, collaboration among districts, and should the state be taking a stronger hand in getting involved, or the counties too, in districts' performance? The models we've been using for several years now under No Child
3: Left Behind and Governor Davis's system before that have been a top-down command and control intervention system, and they haven't worked I think we ought to give the new system an opportunity to work. And the new continuous improvement system is one that says, look, we're not going to change outcomes just by demanding you teach something a little differently. We really need the locals, both the district and the school sites, to own the change, to understand the change, to buy into the change. And with support from the state, create the change that we need to see on the ground. The command and control hasn't worked. I think we need to give this continuous improvement approach an opportunity.
0: How much attention should we pay to these tests? And this is just one test once a year that these students take. And in fact, it's a low-stakes test with these students, and a lot of them don't even take it that seriously. But the state is introducing all these other measures that they say schools and districts should be evaluated on. So is there a danger that we're paid too much attention to these tests and and these test scores? The tests are a
3: critical piece of what we want to know about how our schools are doing. But what I'm hopeful about and what the system is supposed to be doing is using multiple measures to tell us why our schools or why are they not doing well. It's not enough to know that we haven't done well on math again this year. It's also helpful to know that we don't have a good school climate in that particular school or that district, that students are not engaged. There's chronic absence rates are high. If they're not coming to school, we're not going to be educating them. So the tests are important, but they ought not to have an inordinate focus in the system. And the policymakers really need to do much better job of communicating the importance of paying attention to all
0: the measures in the system. Which in turn have an impact on the test scores, right? Exactly, exactly.
1: The continuous improvement system, John, assumes that resources will get to the schools and districts that need it under the local control funding formula. Public Advocates has been watching this for a number of years. Are you confident that, in fact, the resources will be there for districts to improve?
3: Well, again, the this gets back to the underlying inadequacy of the system. We are seeing a, a number of districts encroach on the supplemental concentration funds to pay for base-level services, not they're because they're malintent, but because there are not enough funds for them to actually deliver a basic education with the base grant. So we do need to make sure that the base grant actually is what every kid needs on average to succeed so that the supplemental really is supplemental. It is important that we make sure that districts are delivering on the promise of LCFF to use these extra funds to increase or improve services for high-need students. I think for the most part, districts are, but there's also a lot of instances in which they're not, and we, we need to correct those.
0: Well, thank you. That was John Affeld, Managing Attorney at Public Advocates. And John, you just reminded me that Public Advocates was a lead counsel in the Serrano versus Priest ruling in the 1970s that uh, basically outlawed the use of property taxes in California to fund schools. And actually, EdSource was founded in 1977 with the express purpose to explain the implications of Serrano Priest to Californians. So i um, glad we, the two organizations, are still working together. Thanks for coming in, John. Glad to be here. So that's two perspectives. Lewis, you talked to a lot of people over the past week. What did they tell you and what do you think? Well, John, I think there's a major tension here between not wanting to focus too much on these scores because California really is trying to look at these multiple measures. And this is a trend we're seeing across the country. It's in the Every Student Succeeds Act, the federal law that now applies to all 50 states. Actually, states are mandated to look at more than test scores. And California is really in the lead on this. On the other hand, you can't ignore these test scores. I mean, these were taken by millions of students. It costs the state a lot of money. They are supposed to be measuring how students are doing on the Common Core standards. So there is an issue about what the importance of these tests are and the results and what we do with them. I did talk with Laura Hill, for example, from the Public Policy Institute of California, who's a researcher, and she made the point that for research purposes, we do need this information. That's one thing. The other thing is Ryan Smith from the Education Trust West. He makes the argument that the test scores do give us an indication of where we stand on this achievement gap, and that we need to be reminded of that, and it does give us a roadmap in which direction to move.
1: Well, you know, the scores are graded based on readiness for college and careers. That's, in fact, when you get into the upper grades, they say at at level three of four levels of the test, at level three, you are approaching readiness for college and careers, The California State University for 11th graders, they say, if you've reached level three, you are conditionally ready for college work. And if you reach the top level, you say you are ready. So there is a connection. There is a tie-in between success on these test scores and college readiness. It's certainly not the only measure, but it's certainly an important one. And the state board included the 11th grade test scores as part of the college and career indicator.
0: Not to be a naysayer, but there's also been some movement at the community colleges and CSU to make the case that other measures, not proficiency tests, not specifically the smarter balance test, but high school grades and other indicators may be actually better predictors of whether a student is ready for college level work. So I think that issue is still somewhat up for debate at this point.
1: Yes, you're right. But notice when they say conditionally ready, that's a signal, in fact, by CSU for English Language Arts, that, in fact, you should take an extra course in your senior year to make you ready. So they do see there is a connection, just one, as you noted.
0: Well, absolutely. And I did want to also mention what David Plank, who runs a policy analysis for California Education, made David points out that politically also these tests are important. That, okay, we're not going to pay as much attention to this, but really we are accustomed to getting reports or expecting to see test scores go up every year. And the fact that they've kind of have not really gone up this year, I think would have to be a bit of a disappointment to quite a number of people.
1: I think so. But there's another way of, phrasing it, which is to say maybe the third year, in fact, is the base year. You had the first year, but in the second year, when there was a substantial increase, part of that is a familiarity with a computer-based test. So here's the third year. This is the first year that these test results will be used as part of the state accountability system, going back to districts and saying, you need help. You need the guidance from your county. So in fact, maybe we review this year as the base year, and look ahead.
0: Well, that's interesting. You also talked with Ed Hardle, one of the leading statisticians in the country, and he raised the issue as to whether we need to look at the test itself, because apparently the 14 other states were... These tests were administered. They were actually declines in English language arts. Is that correct? That's right. There are 14 states in the
1: Smarter Balance Consortium. And it's unusual to have all 14 decline in a test. And some of those weren't very big. California's wasn't large. But in fact, all 14 uniformly showed a decline this year. So Ed says one of the things, and Ed's an expert, one of the things you want to do is look at the test itself. And if there's anything quirks or factors dealing with the test, that makes it a poor way to compare with last year. And you want to answer this question before you draw too many conclusions about the results of a test. And
0: Smarter Balance said it will do this. And one thing I did notice, not that we made a scientific study of this, but it seemed to me that there was less media coverage of this round of test scores than I've seen in the past. Part of it may have to do that the scores were essentially flat, so not much to report, not very exciting when it comes to media coverage. But it may also be that people are beginning to put these test scores in perspective.
1: Hold on, Lewis. Let me put a plug in here for our database on EdSource. I think that's pretty exciting, and it's a really interesting way to present information, and readers and listeners can go to our site and see how their schools and their districts did.
0: Okay. Well, please go to our site. And actually, this coming week, we're going to be having our symposium in Oakland. We're looking forward to seeing many of you there, looking at some of these issues and looking at what schools can and should be doing to serve California's vulnerable children. And that just about wraps it up for this week in California education. If you like what you heard, please help others find us by leaving us a review on iTunes Thanks so much for listening. I'm Lewis Friedberg. And I'm John Fensterwald. And our producer is Sarah Tan. See you next week.